You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to Let's Talk Apple, episode 70, the show for June 2019. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and joining me, I have a fabulous panel, as always. Um, all the way from the United States of America, we have Guy Searle from the MyMac podcast joining us. Hi, Guy. Hello, and I promise I will do my best to be civil and kind and not silly. Ah, go on. Well, no, actually, do do, do all of those things, but to, to still be Guy. True. Yes. And joining me from the exact opposite side, geographically, we have Simon Parnell from the Essential Apple Podcast and the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Hi, Simon. Hello. Hello. I'm here. And thank you. I mean, you, you, you did your best to join us. Was it last month or the month before? No, it was yeah, last month. Uh, the terrible, terrible technical uh, issues with my Discord. Um, yeah, and you tried so hard. I'm, like, I really appreciate how hard you tried last time. So I just wanted to thank you on air for being so persistent. And despite yeah, your no, best well, efforts, it still didn't yeah. work out. But you're here, so thank you. I I did fix it eventually, yeah. Yes. So we have one heck of a busy month's worth of Apple news to talk about. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, some of the summer shows are the silly season where nothing happens. But June is not part of the silly season. June is the pre-silly season when everything happens all at once. Uh, before we get stuck into this month's news, just a few quick follow-ups from last month's news. Um, we talked last time about the big Supreme Court ruling going against Apple in terms of an- the antitrust lawsuit over the App Store being allowed to proceed. So basically the Supreme Court said the case can go ahead. Well, with that barrier out of the way, we did sort of expect there might be other cases appearing out of the woodwork. Well, that has come to pass. App developers have sued Apple in California over App Store practices. Again, case is just beginning, so more of a put a pin in it story than anything else. But there you go, put a pin in it. Um, Also on the put a pin in it category, Apple continued to be scrutinized by the EU. Uh, We talked last time about the complaint being filed against Apple uh, when Spotify asked the European Commission to investigate. Um, The Commission have taken uh, Spotify up on that and asked Apple for a formal response, which Apple have provided. So that's going to trundle slowly on for much, much time to come. Apple's response to the Commission was basically the same response they published on their website that we talked about last month. And news also crossed the wires that the Irish Data Protection Commissioner has opened their third investigation into Apple. Um, in case you're wondering why, it's because most of the large US tech companies are headquartered here. So it's our Data Protection Commissioner is the GDPR person for Facebook, for Google, for Apple in Europe. And as best as I can tell, there's extremely little detail on these investigations. They're kind of perfunctory. Uh, you know, is Apple abiding by the GDPR as best as I can tell from my GDP, my limited GDPR training, I think Apple is abiding by the GDPR, but the IRS Data Protection Commissioner is going to determine that for sure. So again, put a pin in it rather than anything else. Uh, and then, of course, we talked last time about the fiasco that was Samsung's <laughs> foldable phone. When I say foldable, you could fold it once or twice. Yeah, no, we're, we're, so we're laughing, but it's with tears. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, just the hubris of it. Um, anyway, yeah, so 
Huawei decided that maybe they should learn a lesson from Samsung and they delayed their product before handing it out to reviewers to break. Um, <clears throat> so the foldable Mate X has also had its release date pushed back indefinitely. Samsung say they're making good progress, or rather it is reported that they're making good progress because it's a leak slash it's an investigation, not an official statement. Um, so we don't have a date, but apparently they've redesigned their phone. They've tucked in the little screen protector so it's actually under the bezel so it doesn't look like, you know, packaging. Um, and apparently the phone doesn't break now. So we shall see, but no official release date yet. So when we shall see, we also don't really know. So there we go. Honestly, That's... they should they should just say, give it up for a, for a, a, a bad day's work and, and let it go. Well, they can still be first since Huawei have also hit the pause button. So maybe the second time around they get to be first properly. Well, surely neither of them are actually first, are they? Because didn't the, um, what was the other one? The, the weird company that barely make phones actually made a phone. Did it actually get released released or did it just get previewed? That I don't know because they're such a minority company that whether they actually released it or not, I've no idea. Because it was, there was a whole swathe of announcements together, which I presume was around that, that big mobile congress, yeah, mobile, the, mobile congress. Uh, CES or uh, Mobile World, one of the two. I think it was Mobile World Congress in Barcelona where they all announced their foldy phones around about that time, all in a big glut. But they were all announcements rather than releases. and. I'm not aware of any of them actually being out there in the wild, or certainly not in any sort of number anyway. No. Anyway, maybe maybe it'll be turn out to be a great idea, but Samsung definitely then again, compared to phones catching fire and causing, you know, them to be banned from all airplanes, they you know, they they weren't <laughs> put off by that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they didn't say, Oh, the note brand is now tainted, we should never use it again. No, they went, here's the new note. Yeah, exactly. Now now with less flammable material. Yeah, now with a battery that doesn't catch fire and does hold a charge, apparently. Wow. It's yeah. a feature. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um some notable numbers that crossed my radar. Samsung and Apple in joint first place for smartphone satisfaction in the United States of America, both at eighty one percent satisfaction. So it is true, when I meet passionate Android people, they're usually passionate Samsung people, and my family contains two groups of people, passionate Apple people and passionate Samsung people. That is it. My family's entirely bifurcated down the middle between <laughs> my two brothers and their friends and me and my parents, who <laughs> have a different point of view. Um, so it's interesting, and they're very happy with their Samsungs, and I'm very happy with my Apple. So this doesn't really surprise me. It's just well, I would have are, thought the whole are the catching ones that fire. They have capable of of using uh, Dex. Hmm? Uh, are the Samsung phones that they have capable of using Dex? I have no idea what Dex even is. Oh, it's it's basically the standard that that Samsung came up with. You, you can either put it on a dock or connect a cable to a large monitor and it turns Android into a desktop environment. Whether the phones can or not, I have no idea, but I can tell you my brothers aren't doing that. Okay. It, uh, we're, we're at the stage where it took me quite some time to explain the concept of uh, OneDrive. Like, quite some time. So. <laughs> that, that's not a good sign. Mm. We got there in the end, though, and he's now very happy with the Surface, but that's another story. Um... Another notable number, Apple are the world the world's fourth largest gaming company, 
We talked last month about really good numbers out of the US for Apple in terms of gaming. An awful lot of gaming happening on Apple devices. But that was US numbers only last time. Well, now it's world numbers. And if you count your iOS devices as devices people game on, which is they most certainly are devices people game on, then Apple is actually the fourth largest gaming company. But of course, you can be all snobby and say, well, new casual gaming doesn't count. But fine, <laughs> be like that if you like. Yeah. Although, casual, as we'll see when we get into the WWDC stuff, um, actually, may as well just sneak that one out because there's a bugger all else to say about Apple TV update. You know, the only thing there that got a big round of applause was support for the, was it PlayStation and Xbox? Were Xbox, they the two controllers? Yeah, controllers, yes. I must yeah. admit, I did, uh, I did uh, kind of go, ah, oh, at last. Well, it, it's so much better, right, than, uh, than the concept of... Uh, you know, people having to invent special MF Apple TV controllers. Oh, that... yeah, using well, and using their remote that yeah. uh, that comes with the Apple TV, which is just, I mean, it, it's it's barely capable of making the Apple TV usable for watching content, much less trying to game with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and hopefully, if they <clears throat> if they do that, then. You know, games that are a little more involved than tap, tap, tap might actually get a look in on the Apple TV. Um, well, yeah, I mean, arcade is coming too. Don't forget about that. There is that too. Yes, and, and I think I don't think it's a coincidence that we have these controllers coming and we have arcade coming, right? So, yeah. because quite obviously, to have a good selection of games, you need a better input device than that effing remote. You do indeed. Okay, so... Uh, ooh, I'm getting lost in my own show notes. Do apologise. Um, finally, in terms of notable numbers, Apple now has 60 million paid Apple Music subscribers. And I believe the phrase is, that's not too shabby. <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and as, as, as is always the case with these things, everyone made fun of Apple for... Who do they know about? Yeah, well, it turns out they know quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as I say, not earth chattering, but nonetheless, that is a substantial number, and it does keep going up. So you know, it's good to see Apple. Well, doesn't so- that make them the number one paid subscription service for music in the world? It, I don't. I don't know. I think Spotify has more overall users. Yeah, it, it gets a bit confusing, or it gets a bit difficult. And I think. I, I think with Spotify's popularity in Europe, I have a feeling Apple aren't quite there yet. Because in the US, Apple are doing very well, but in the rest of the world, they're trailing behind quite a bit. Like Europe really is Spotify central. Let me take a look. Go ahead. Yeah, anyway. So, you know, it, SSA continues to grow is really the main point. Um, in terms of most of the Apple HR news is not here before the main stories because uh, it's kind of part of one of the main stories. But what is here before the main stories is just a quick note that Apple have acquired autonomous driving startup Drive.ai, uh, who were busy doing cool self-driving stuff in the California area. And it would appear that at the very least, Apple have now acquired a whole bunch of talent and the males have acquired a whole bunch of engineering. So uh, that should be interesting. Of course, they're not telling us what they're going to do with it because it's Apple and that's how they roll. But anyway, more AI self-driving stuff Apple's way. It's um, it was quite. I, I was quite interested in that in the fact that um, Apple appeared to have bought them up cheap. 
as far as I can tell, because they were on the edge of going under. Yeah, they basically swooped in and went, oh, you're about to go bankrupt. I'll yoink. I'll have us one of you. Um, yeah, and I mean, we may or may not find out what they do with the company. It may really just be about the patents. It may be just about the, the, the staff. We, we shall have to wait and see what happens. Well, I, you know, I don't really see Apple as being one of those companies that buys other companies simply for patents. I think for the most part, when it comes to patents, they're patenting their own stuff. Yeah, and sorry, when I say patents, what I really meant was the technology, patents. right? Because they definitely yeah. buy companies for technology. That's how they got Siri. That's how they got a whole bunch of stuff. But it's not for the, sorry, the patents aren't what's important. It's the technology that's important. Not yeah, not the patents. IP. Yeah, IP. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's 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 the word. I was really meant not patents. So I'm going to jump us very quickly into main stories because, like I say, big months. So just to, to give you an expectation, we have three main stories: two big and one smaller. We have the Worldwide Developer Conference, which is a lot of stuff in it. Uh, we have Apple hiring AMD's CPU architect. And then the teensy weensy change at the top of Apple's sort of corporate team with a certain Mr. Ive sodding off. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, who? Yeah, <laughs> Joe, ja, ju, ju, Johnny, um, spelt wrong. Fred. Ives. Mm. Anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in due course. But let's get stuck in, because the month really did start with Apple's week-long developer conference. Um, now, the internet is absolutely chock-a-block full of you know, detailed every little point that happened, discussions of the keynote and the stuff that went on in the rest of the conference. And my show notes are extremely extensive on this topic because I basically linked to all of the stories that have informed my thinking. I The whole point of doing a monthly show was to be able to look at the forest instead of the trees, so I don't want to spend time diving down into the minutiae. What I'm much more interested in is the big picture stuff. So, I'm just going to go one by one. Um, let me see, Guy, would you like to go first? Like, just stepping back and looking at the whole of WWDC week and everything we've learned about the new technology since, because developers, and in fact the public, there's even public betas out by now. What's your okay. big picture impression about what Apple had to say for themselves? My My big picture impression is that everyone who is... And I was one of them, basically saying that that the Mac is going to switch to ARM. Pretty much had those, if they were hoping for it, those hopes dashed, I think, by most of the announcements that was going on, especially the announcements prior where they, you know, they finally started talking about the, the new Mac Pro. And Apple as a company, I do not believe is going to split their platform between ARM and x86. That's just not going to happen. So if they're putting a lot of resources into creating new and better computers that is still on the x86 platform, that's where they're going to stay. I don't agree with you, Guy, but do continue. Okay. The, um, the, The second big story for me was that, and it's almost related, that they're finally taking the iPad very, very serious as Mm. a true computing device for the masses. 
as compared to just being a device that you can kind of point and click on the screen and move from, from place to place. They're starting to put in the UI features that most people would recognize as being part of a, a desktop experience. And I think that Apple is slowly trying to transition people away from the Mac and toward iOS because their turnover as far as devices go um, people will hold on to their iPhones for two to three years. People will hold on to iPads for probably at most three to four years, whereas people that buy Macs will hang on to them until they're practically falling apart at the seams. So if they can get more and more people to switch over to mobile devices, iOS, as their main computing platform, that the the turnover the 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 rollover between device to device will will become greater. Hmm. And um, before it's yeah, all about money. Well, oh. <laughs> that is certainly true. Simon, what, what what struck you really big picture was? Um, I obviously the when I watched it the the first you know the real big. Oh my God! Moment was the was the Mac Pro, but um, stepping back from that, you know, having had a little time to to think about it, um, one of the things which I think is really massive and almost kind of got overlooked was the was the Swift UI stuff. Um, that whole Swift UI thing kind of indicates a whole new direction um for developers um, yes I, I yes 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 couldn't agree more that i think that was a, that was a you know almost overlooked it was almost chucked in there as as a sort of oh and here's something that you'll you'll like and yet i don't think a lot of people appreciated just how big a change that really is did um, you did you watch the uh, state of the union keynote no, I didn't. Um, yeah, because that that I, focus, I do normally, but that did not have that feel to it. No, I'm sure it didn't. Um, I mean, obviously, I had uh, Weihan Eng on on the Essential Apple um, when we, you know, considered the, uh, you know, the the keynote, and mm. uh, you know, he was very, very forcefully making the point that actually the the biggest. No, really, the biggest announcement of the whole lot is Swift UI, and to some extent, the um, Project Catalyst. Yeah, I mean, I I think that is absolutely spot on. Like to, to me, that's what I see as being absolutely spot on. And like Catalyst is important in the short term. Catalyst is like Rosetta was when Apple made a big change going from PowerPC to. Uh, to Intel, where they needed Rosetta to make the transition workable. Well, Apple need Catalyst to get apps onto the Mac now. But if you're, you know, so you have an existing app you've been working on for a decade, Catalyst is a godsend for you. You can now leverage all the work you've done and bring it to the Mac and make actually 
a really quite a powerful matchup because I'd made sure to watch a bunch of the developer keynotes. So so not just the State of the Union, but also actually um, there was a two-parter on actually bringing iOS apps to the Mac using uh, Catalyst. And I watched the, the two sessions. I watched the basically the two hours of it just to see what's possible. And you really can make a true Mac app with that does all the Mac-y things if you put the effort in. And it's not that much effort. That, doesn't it also go in the other direction, though, too? Well, no. That's where Swift not UI comes moment. in. Yeah. Right? So Catalyst <clears throat> is about leveraging the app you have now and bringing it to the Mac. But that's a short-term thing. If you're starting from scratch, if you're building a new app today that is going to be your company's future, you don't write an iOS app and then port it to the Mac with Catalyst. No, you write a Swift UI app and you get it on every platform natively. You, your app, your same brain, just has many faces. It can have a watch face, a TV face, an iPhone face, an iPad face. A Mac face. It's the same core app, the same logic, the same brains, which is different skins, almost like a responsive web page, which can, you know, as you shrink your browser window, it reassembles itself into an appropriate UI for that scale. Well, in this case, you can reassemble your UI as appropriate for the device that's being watched on. But the actual brains of your app is not just a copy. It's the same. And, and that's that is actually... No, not only is that revolutionary, but it's all—it's almost achieving the you know the holy grail of the right once run anywhere dream, isn't it? It is, and what it shows is a real commitment to not do not trying to do a Microsoft and trying to force every platform onto right. the same OS, but or rather the same, the same look of the yeah. OS. So let each share a brain and let the UI be what it needs to be for the form factor. So sitting back in your couch is completely different to leaning over your iPad is completely different to sitting with the keyboard and trackpad in front of your Mac. And so you need your apps to be different in these different environments. What Apple is doing is building a really robust infrastructure that lets developers achieve that with absolute minimal effort. Like This is such a strong commitment to the future of being a multi-platform company, not trying to force everything to be iOS. No, there's no need to because you have SwiftUI. No need to at all. Let each, let each interface be its true self and give it the power it can have. And iPadOS is part of that because... You can do more on an 11-inch iPad Pro than you can on a, you know, an iPhone SE. It, that form factor is more enabling, so let the OS do more. Give it a different UI that is designed for that size of, of interface. It's, again, very forward-thinking, in my opinion. It, it tells me they've figured out where they want to go with their platforms, and it gives me an awful lot of confidence for the future, which I was, I was starting to lose faith a bit. But no, this this is fine. This is good. Yeah. I think the other overall impression that I got from this year's WWDC was not only was it packed with yeah. with stuff. Yes. Like really, it was. you know, really jam-packed. There was there was no padding, there was no whiffling on about sort of fairly inconsequential things as if they were huge. Um Yeah. No, no, no. But the other the other now, thing was that at the end yeah. Um, but the, the other thing was at the end of it, I felt, yeah, really enthused and uplifted. You know, uh, it just 
seemed to um, to really have a lot of commitment to the future. Now, I want to go back. I want to circle back to Guy's point because I sort of said I disagreed with Guy, and I and I want to put a bit of flesh on that. So the reason I disagree, Guy, is because Swift UI is the future. And SwiftUI lets you write your app once and run it on your watch, your television, your iPad, your iPhone, and your Mac. Yes. Half of those are ARM and half of those are Intel. Pad day problem. I'm sorry, I don't understand. There is, right, okay, so SwiftUI, you write it once and you can run it on ARM or Intel. So yes. what's the problem with Apple having ARM and Intel Macs? If you're writing using Apple's toolkit, it will just work in theory um, no no it, I, it, in I practice i mean it's working the architecture between arm and, and x86 is is different enough that trying to run them run them both on yeah i i i, I i'm just not convinced that having an uh, uh an arm mac is a at this point a, a good idea because it, it's not just the applications that are, you know, now where this might fall apart is if, and this is a huge if, if Apple forces all developers to go through the Mac App Store to the, put. No, I'm sorry, guys. The Mac App Store has Mac. nothing to do with this. Absolutely, positively nothing to do with this. Apple are very clear Swift UI is available to all developers, App Store or no. Right. But nobody is, currently, nobody is forcing them to use Swift. It right, certainly makes but, sense for them to do so. Okay, but Xcode's compiler is also open source. Clang is open source. So all the actual stuff that's sitting there in Xcode, all the brains, all the really powerful stuff is actually open source. So there is absolutely no reason that that it will not just work seamlessly across multiple platforms. It already does. Your, your same brain for your app works absolutely fine on an iPhone, a watch, a telly. And your Mac. So with the technology stack Apple have been investing in for the last decade, because it really has been that long at least that they've been working on, you know, they used to use other people's compilers. They've written their own compiler, which almost no one paid attention to because who cares what compiler developers are using? Well, they wrote their own compiler at least a decade ago now, and they've been building and building and building since then. The amount of scaffolding they have underneath themselves now is stunning and it's all cross-platform scaffolding it's all completely cpu agnostic they're ready to go to to arm with minimal disruption like users won't notice anything and developers will notice sod all well we'll see i'm i'm still not convinced i don't know when they'll do it because they're only going to do it when it makes sense um and that depends on Intel's roadmap, and that depends on how their own team gets on. But right now, in terms of you know power consumption, you know basically CPU clock cycles for per watt, those X those A processors are running absolute rings around Intel stuff. Like they are having Intel for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The iPad is a more powerful machine than most Apple laptops, and. It runs way cooler and uses way less battery and therefore can be way smaller and lighter and last way longer because it's just a way, way, way better CPU than the the, 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 the power hoggy poop that Intel put out because they have this legacy of desktops and not caring about power consumption. It's 
basically the X86 is a bad chipset or a bad it's it's not a good I, forward facing I kind of yeah I I kind of waver on this I keep you know and I know guy has as well guy in the past has been I think an arm Mac is coming and now he's you know drifted the other way and I I I float backwards and forwards because it's so difficult to tell what Apple are, are going to do but I think in the long term um it would actually make sense for Apple to go all ARM and but why necessarily I mean, even all? Windows even Windows is available well no that is true because with a um with a cross platform you know uh architecture as you're saying cuz like there's you could have you could have i don't know yeah x86 based mac pros running 48 cores of xeon or whatever right, and it, you could have laptops running on arm exactly because if you're running a mac pro you don't actually care about how quickly it makes your electricity meter outside spin around. You want it to move as many bits as possible, as quickly as possible from A to B. And so what you want is this amazing server slash workstation level oomph that you're only ever going to get from the likes of Intel's Xeon processors. And they actually have... like They're, they're not pure x86 under the hood. They actually have some extra smarts going on. Um... Like the, those chips are really they're not the same as the chips in your laptop I mean they're compatible but there's way more in there they have a whole bunch of extra instructions you know so that it doesn't make sense to get rid of that because for Apple to develop it's a you know an A series processor for, for that kind of workstation I don't think they have the volume like Intel sell billions of those chips to make the cloud go so Intel can make that work. But for Apple, they'd be making them in such small numbers. It just doesn't make sense for them to get into that game. That, that's just not a game well, that makes sense for them to be into. the reason why IBM never made a, a mobile G5 chip. Precisely. Because exactly. the only people that wanted it was Apple. And Apple wasn't pushing enough laptops at the time to make it worth their while. Yeah. Whereas Apple, Which of course, is the exact opposite, ironically. Apple, yeah. And that in turn pushed Apple into x86. Yeah. Well, now I think Apple will stay... Xeon for the really big oomphy stuff. The Mac Mini probably too, to be honest, especially since there's a Mac Mini Pro now, and the iMac probably too, because again, it, it it's plugged straight into the wall. Um, and the, again, you have an iMac Pro sitting there. But any mobile device, any device with a battery, x86 is a terrible instruction set for, for anything with a battery. You really don't want that massive CISC infrastructure. You want a nice, lightweight, lean risk infrastructure like you get from ARM. So it, you know, an iPad with a keyboard, a trackpad, and a really nice screen, that would make a great Mac. Like that little 12-inch MacBook with with an ARM brain that gave it double the battery life and made it even lighter, that would be a stunning machine to own. Well, do you think with Johnny Ive gone that they're still going to be pushing the lighter and thinner route? or will Yeah, because it's about how easy it is to hold the device. We think we don't want light until you pick up a machine that isn't light and it's actually fatiguing. Um, we absolutely joked around the office the other day when someone handed us a cheap Dell because I couldn't hold it one-handed. I carry my 12-inch Mac around by one corner between my thumb and one finger. Can't do that with a Dell. For a start, it's too floppy. 
because it's plasticky poop. And secondly, <laughs> I'd break my fingers. Apple will keep doing that. They may not get quite as obsessed to the point where the keyboard doesn't work, one hopes. But I, I still think they're going for a device that's so light you can carry it around with you without it being bothersome. And it's easier to do if you only need half as much battery volume. Well, that's true. That's, yeah. Because you don't or have to compromise have... the keyboard if you just need half as much battery. Well, yeah, or you can, you know, or you can have twice as much battery life. Or one and a half times the battery in a keyboard that works. Exactly. Um, and, of course, uh, this is a slight aside, but, of course, Mr. Quo, the famous Ming-Chi Quo, is, is, you know, putting it about that uh, the butterfly keyboard may not be much longer for this world. I I am not surprised. That's been backed up by a few different people who say they have sources in Apple confirming that. I, I, I think go. they got a proper bloody nose from that one. Um, the other thing that caught my eye big picture-wise, so apart from the fact that it's this really unified and really forward-looking view, privacy is not a bolt-on. Apple are thinking deeply about it at every level of each of their OSs. It's it's like when they really got serious about going green a couple of years ago and literally every product had the slide that said exactly, oh, the BFR free glass, yada, yada, yada. Well, now everything ended with, and here's how we're protecting your privacy. And it's not token stuff. Like the design of the new Find no, My is superb, cryptographically robust, private way of effectively crowdsourcing tracking of devices that aren't even connected to the internet in a way that protects your privacy. Cake and eat it very much. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that was... And the, of course, and the Apple sign-on. That's the, the big user, the, the obvious user-facing privacy stuff going on there. Like, signing with Apple, such a big deal to have a provi- an identity provider who doesn't have an ulterior motive. I mean, Apple want your money. Facebook and wants your data. Yep, and uh, interestingly, uh, even, was it the, uh, the lead guy from Google said that he welcomed that? He did, because Google really want to kill the password. Google absolutely positively want to kill the password, and they're working very hard towards that end. Microsoft are also working really hard towards ending the password, but I feel better about that because Microsoft are a sell-you-stuff-not-sell-your-data company too. Anyway, it, it's the big difference between Apple and all these other companies is that you are Apple's customer and Apple's user. You're a, that is yeah. aligned. You are both the user and the customer. Whereas with Google, you're only half. You're the user, but the advertiser is the customer. And with Facebook, same problem. You're the user, but you're not the customer because the advertiser is the customer. And that means that Facebook's interest and your interest are not parallel. They're not aligned. They're sometimes orthogonal to your interest. Indeed. Whereas it's so much simpler with Apple. I give Apple money, they give me services and stuff. They're, they want more of my money. They will do their best to give me what I want. I want privacy. It's, it's so simple. Follow the money. So, yeah, I think that's a huge big deal. The other big deal that struck me is 
they really went to town on the accessibility stuff in a really cross-platform way. That voice control thing is darn impressive. Oh, that was stunning. Um, And I'll be honest, I mean, Apple's accessibility stuff is always stunning. They've been, you know, every, well, almost every keynote, they have something about something they've done and how it's, you know, helping people. you know, people with various disabilities, and it's always, yeah, you know, pretty mind blowing. Accessibility was last year's privacy, as far as announcements goes. I mean that that used to be, uh, God, going back to the PowerPC days. Yeah, that was something that they used to push all the time. Was accessibility? Yeah. It was accessibility. Then it was green. Then it was privacy. It's sort of the the, the, right. the, the you know the things that well, the thing is they never give up on the stuff that they used to front and center. It's not like they stopped being green because they started being private. No, no, they're still doing yeah. that too, and they're still doing the accessibility. So, so from day one, Mac OS ten was accessible. iOS was extremely accessible from day one. Even Watch OS, like a touchscreen watch is accessible. What? You know, a touchscreen phone with effectively no buttons is accessible and has been from day one. That's amazing. Yep. Next, way, next will be the uh, flying spaghetti monster. Yeah, but I mean, when you think about what was happening on the Windows platform at the same time, you had spectacularly expensive software to turn your Windows machine accessible. Like, I've seen the price of those kind of softwares because I work in education. I know what they cost. They were massively expensive. And you couldn't go and buy a Windows PC as a blind person, plug it in and start using it. You needed to ask for help to get to the point where you could install the stupidly expensive software. And only then could you actually use your computer. You buy any Mac, you plug it in, and you wait a little bit longer than 30 seconds to hit your first keystroke, and it will immediately jump into, hi, I'm completely accessible, can I help you? Would you like me to do X, Y, or Z? Here's how you can tell me to do that, even though you can't see me. And you, you can set up an iPhone out of the box as a person with, you know, who's whether it's blind, whether it's deaf, it doesn't matter what it is, if you're differently abled in any way, you can buy an Apple device and without any help from anyone, you can get yourself up and running it as accessible out of the box. That is stunning. Yeah, their their work on accessibility has always been, you know, amazing. Yeah. And the you know, and, and it doesn't always get front and centered, obviously. But um Yeah. It it's always stunning they the effort that they must put into that is is amazing mm. and you know they have real people actually using these features because otherwise you can't yes. yeah otherwise you couldn't come up with it otherwise yeah and i think that's actually probably why their macs aren't sucking anymore because they now have a pro team in-house watching how actual pros actually use their macs and they were missing that when the trash can came out and it really showed that they weren't eating their own dog food because they were making terrible dog food. Uh, anything else that caught people's eye big picture-wise in the keynote? Um, in fact, the whole of WWDC, not just the keynote. No, I, I think that's uh, probably most of it, isn't yeah, it? I mean, a lot of it, Yeah, a lot of it was, was hey, it's, it's bigger, it's faster, it's better. Yeah, and I just want to, I guess, we've mentioned it in passing, but I want to underline again how happy... The existence of iPad OS made me. Yes. Because 
you know, when they switched to the USB-C port, it was obvious to me where we were going here. And it was really disappointing that iOS 12 took us almost none of the way there. Um, and so now that it's its own OS, it is going to have to get a slide at every keynote from now on. So yep, there, there, there was that. I, I tell you one thing that did actually catch my uh, attention, which was uh, at the very end of the keynote where uh, where Uncle Tim said uh, something along the lines of, you know, many of these uh, things which you're announcing today have been years in the making, yeah. which I thought was a slightly uh, pointed dig at the tech press, uh, sort of, you know, just because we don't have fabulous announcements every single keynote doesn't mean we're not working on stuff. Well, and it is kind of funny, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the feeling, in the, if you read the tech press, you, you get the impression that everything that was announced at this WWDC was made last week. And that, they, you know, yeah. that if next year's keynote doesn't have anything half as big, which it is unlikely to, unless it's the move to ARM. That's, that is the obvious next giganto big announcement, which would have been years in the making. Because I have no idea when we are going to get to use ARM-based Macs, if we're going to get to use ARM-based Macs. But I would bet my bottom dollar that ARM-based Macs are running in Cupertino today, and they were three years ago, if not five years ago. Oh, almost oh, certainly, you know. So I like when Steve, you know, announced the switch to x86, wasn't it? Yeah, these, you know, we've been running Mac on x86 for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that Literally point, since it was day like one. four or five years. Yeah. So, so whenever, assuming they ever do, it'd be like, oh, Apple finally ported the Mac. No, Apple have had the Mac ported for years. The question is whether or not the time is right to, to push out the hardware to match, because that OS is running today, I promise you. Well, you can also bet that they that they have Macs running on uh, AMD processors there. Well, I mean, x86 and AMD are compatible with each other, so yeah. absolutely. Although, yeah, I I always thought they should have bought AMD. I don't know. Apple are big on quality. I think they did much better by buying that ARM-based chip company because those guys are producing some stunning stuff. Well, they are, but uh, you know that that took some time. And yeah, but they do that when you buy when you buy a chip maker. You know, yeah, in order to get the quality that it is that you're looking for, if it's not already there from day one, it is going to take time. I mean, the other thing, of course, that's on the back burner, that's at some stage going to be released and everyone's going to think they did it last week, is when they come out with their own modems. Because they bought a modem company this year and I promise you they're making chips as we speak and we probably won't see them next year. We may not see them the year after. But at some stage, Apple are going to have their own, you know, I don't know what they're going to call them, like what letter, because we have W for wireless, H for headphones, A for Apple processor. I don't know what they're going to call their modem chips. Maybe, oh no, we can't use AM because they use that for the... For the mobile chips. For the, the, the mobile, mobile chip, yeah, the, the, the activity tracking or something, wasn't it? The Move chip. <laughs> yeah, TX. Yeah, anyway, that's going to come out at some time as well. And that's going to have been years in the making and, you know, that's going to be completely lost on the press. Anyway, speaking of AMD and Apple buying AMD, why buy the whole company when major story number two, you can just hire their chief head honcho dude instead? Yeah, but wasn't he mostly doing like arm work for AMD? Yes, but nonetheless, you know, I was trying to get a segue. Oh, sorry. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basic. How to kill a podcast in one easy step. And was he from AMD? I'm now starting to... to, to well, he no, worked for he AMD. Right, okay. Did he worked he, at yeah, ARM, he worked Intel, and AMD. Also, 
Yes, he did. Yeah. Right, so if he's worked at ARM, Intel and AMD, that's a guy who knows his chips. Yeah, it is indeed. Um, And when they hired, hired him, we should there say, by were, the way, it's Mike Filippo, just just so we yes. give the poor guy some credit. Yes, yes. Um, when when they hired uh, Mike Filippo, there were several stories, uh, you know, broke saying, oh, Apple have hired uh, this top, you know, ARM chip architect. And, uh, you know, that kind of signals ARM Max on the horizon. And I thought, well, you're stretching there. You're really stretching because... Well, horizon's such a vague term. Yeah, but I mean, Apple use ARM chips all over the place, obviously. We know that. Yes. In fact, Um, even ironically, in many Macs, any Mac with the, um, what do they call that coprocessor that's in the new Pro machines? Well, you've got the, um, what, the T1, is it? The T1, thank you. That's the one I couldn't think of. Yeah, the T1 is an ARM chip. Yeah. Um, If you've got a touch bar Mac, that's got an an, an ARM yeah, you've got two arm chips, maybe. Depending um, on... You've got. I don't know about the. What about the? Um, what about the wireless ones and the? Yeah, um, they're arm as well. Basically, all of Apple's yeah, chips are arm based. All the, all the, pretty much everything that isn't the main CPU is is an arm chip. And um, the thing is, they keep on suffering from Intel's inability to deliver on their roadmap. Because Intel hmm. is supposed to have a TikTok roadmap, and so far it's been talk, talk, talk. Yes. Um, and then, but the other thing is, of course, um, Apple's other ARM chip guy retired or left or. Yeah, mo- not, moved on. So, I guess, you know. Moved so. on, yeah, a, a few months ago. So, really, you know, surely they're just hiring somebody to top up their, their talent on the, on the chip side, you know, because he was a top. A, you know, he was the lead guy on the A12 or, or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously a well-rounded out team, so I, I didn't panic when they lost. No, the I didn't. I was not panicking on, on that. But what I'm saying is uh, hiring another top of the field um, arm chip designer it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than they're, you know, keeping their chip team um up to, up. up to scratch. Yeah. It, it means they're still serious about it, doesn't it? It means that they're not oh, giving yeah. up on this concept. And not that no. we expected them to. No, we did not. Guy, do you have a, a strong opinion on this? Um, I'm not really a chip guy. <laughs> okay, but, well, I like chips with ketchup and mayonnaise, but... <laughs> well, yeah, or, you know, Lay's with, with ruffles, so... The, the 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 fact that they've hired this guy basically yeah yeah they're 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 just making sure that that they're keeping their hand in and that they've got the the best people that are available, especially for their mobile side. Yeah. Okay. Well, as I say, I think this is a really important story, but I don't think it's a very complicated story. So I'm not surprised it hasn't taken as long to talk about. I still think it. You know. It deserved its place as a main story for the month, uh, but I think we're done with it, unless anyone else wants to chime in. No, I, I, no, I think that's you're enough. right. I think it's an important story, but um, at the moment, you know, I I saw various people kind of reading things into it, which was, I just thought, you, you're stretching out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. basically, well, if you... It if, was if, weird. If, Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, I was going to say, basically, if you think, and I, 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 you know, an arm Mac is imminent, you can read that into it, or you can, <laughs> if you're like me and thinks that he's, you know, they're just topping up their talent pool, then you can read nothing into it. You mean it's a Rorschach test? Whatever yeah. theory you have, it proves it. <laughs> you can, you can yeah. yeah, exactly. You it can, changes. you can make 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 of it what you wish. Really. Well, it was it was weird that almost every single because th- there really wasn't that I could see that much or that many people talking about it because most people don't really know who Mike Filippo is. Yeah, and if if it didn't either fit a narrative that some of the, the tech press was trying to push, or if it didn't get a, a lot of uh, clicks or eyeballs, then, you know, they're not going to lead with it. Uh, but the people that did lead with it for the most part seemed to be under the impression, well, this means that, you know, Mac under arm is imminent. And it's like, no, it, it doesn't mean that at all. No, it doesn't. You're right. It absolutely doesn't mean that it, it's compatible with that theory. Yeah. But, but see, that gets, yeah. that gets the eyeballs and that gets the clicks. Yeah. So that's why they led with it. Indeed. So the month ended with a bit of a shocker. Um, well, I say a bit of a shocker. I'm not sure it is shocking in hindsight, but it was certainly not what I expected when I got up in the morning. Anyway, so the, the chronologically, I think the first thing we heard, but I don't think any of us put much stock by it, was that uh, Sabi Khan has been promoted to Senior Vice President of Operations. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Nice title, SVP Operations. That used to be, um, what's his face, uh, Williams's... Ah, yeah, why? Jeff. Jeff, thank you. That used to be Jeff Williams's job, not a bad job. Okay, great, didn't think much of it. Until the other shoe came thunking down, Johnny Ive... To leave Apple to form a new company with his fellow designer and longtime friend Mark Newson called Love From. Terrible name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but Apple are going to be one of Love From's customers. Now, okay. And then that obviously leaves a vacancy. And that vacancy was then filled with the announcement that the VP of Industrial Design, Evans Hankey, and the VP of Human Interface Design, Alan Dye, would now be reporting not to, obviously, to to Johnny Ive, who's sodding off, would instead be reporting to Chief Operating Officer Jeff Williams. And that sounded weird. But to me, it's not weird at all, because... Jeff Williams has just handed over his operations responsibility to Saheb Khan. And in so that he a- could take this other position. Yeah, because in Apple, COO is a synonym for second in command. COO means number one. So Jeff Williams is to Tim Cook what Tim Cook was to Steve Jobs. Yeah, the title is chief operating officer, but what it means is second CEO. And He's changing his name to Riker. Exactly. He's number one. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Which means he's, you know, he was looking after operations as number one, but he's handed that off to an SVP. And Apple do not mint senior vice presidents easily or often. When you mint someone to the SVP role, that means you're actually giving them, like senior vice president means they're running. Saheb Khan is now running operations, not Jeff Williams. So the fact that Jeff Williams we now know, I don't, I don't think I realised this before, it may not have been a secret, but it certainly wasn't on my radar, Jeff Williams ran the Apple Watch team. Yes, 
Um, he's, he's probably, you know, I mean, looking at, as you were saying, hindsight, he's probably been mostly running the design team for the last couple of years. I, I think Johnny, I've got bored working yes. for Apple and just pumping out the same stuff over and over again. You know, and Gaz and I were talking about this last week on the My Mac podcast where it, it, you know, he spent a lot of time with Apple, but then there was a huge announcement a couple of years ago when he designed a Christmas display for a department store. Yeah. And he, and Johnny Ive was like super excited to talk about this. And it was like, dude, you're, you're the senior designer at one of the, if not the biggest tech company in the world. And, you know, you're doing a, a white background on a Christmas display for a department store. Yeah. So, you know, what that told me at the time was that he's, he's kind of just caught phoning it in. in, in I, I don't think in phoning it in is fair. I, I think my reading well, he of bought it. The, he bought a new house for his wife and kids in the UK hmm. and was spending more and more time there as compared to being in California working for Apple. Yeah, no, he and did. At right. some point, Okay, go ahead. Yeah, he, he's not. I don't. Phoning it in isn't fair because he changed his job at Apple. A, was it a year ago? Maybe even two years ago now, where he yeah, ceased he was in charge of design. Right, but he he moved from being the head of the design office to being the senior design chief design officer, and he he literally was part of the announcement that he was ta- stepping back from day to day management. He delegated the day to day minutia of running people to Alan Dye and Evans Hankey. So they yes. have actually been running the show for quite some time now. And instead, he was his actual official Apple job was to be doing, you know, special projects and stuff, which was mainly the Spaceship Campus. Right. So this isn't actually nearly as big of a change. What it's doing is it's formalizing his new I'm done managing people and teams approach to life. And, you know, it, Going it's got to be draining, right? Being at that level of such a major company has got to be draining. And when you get to a certain stage in life, you probably want to spend less time doing things that are tedious and more time doing things that are fun. So if you set up your own company, you take on the contracts you want, you do the jobs you want, and you don't have to manage a giganto team of people for a major corporation. And he's already trained up his replacements. You know, like Evan and Alan are, Evans and Alan are well up to the job. Yeah, and they're now reporting like to Jeff Williams. Yeah, and Jeff Williams, literally, I mean, I don't think it was an accident that he got to do Apple Watch. I think that was Steve, uh, the Tim Cook well, priming him, the, prepping him for this. I think this has been in the works at least since uh, Johnny Ives' promotion to chief design officer. Yeah, well, the, the other thing is um, when when it was first announced that, you know, Johnny was going to leave and... Uh, uh, Evans Hankey and Alan Dye were going to, you know, be in charge, and they would report to the chief operating officer Jeff Williams. There was some people were, you know, muttering concerns that this, you know, was Apple moving away from a design-led philosophy and towards a, you know, typical operations-led. Uh, no, thing. And I don't John, think I don't think it's going to make any real difference at all. No, I I don't either. I'm just saying people were were saying that they and, were, and 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 John Gruber was one of them. But he corrected people, himself. 
then came forward and said, you do realise that actually Jeff Williams' background is not operations, it is actually design. Because Jeff Williams was actually quite a big part of the original iPhone team, I believe. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. As, as well as, um, and, and you know, he was lead on the Apple Watch. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he is, um, I'm not sure if he, he's, you know, if he was trained as a designer, but he's... Um, he's done it. He, he's, you know, um, and stories have started to come out from people from the design team saying, you know, Jeff Williams is, is very talented at that. And he, even if he's not a designer, he's very good at, you know, doing the Steve Jobs thing of picking up the, the you know, the, uh, right. the mock-ups and whatnot and saying, like, yeah, yeah, this, no, this is, this is no good, right? You know, yeah, ha- having, the, having the ability to say no <clears throat> and yeah. make yeah. it stick. One of the most insightful work and what's not going to work. One of the most insightful things I've heard about what's going on here was um, it was an interview that um, I'm more what's uh, Rene Ritchie, I think it was Rene. Ooh, I think it was. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was I'm more with a former Apple member of the Apple design team who's now left and moved on to other things. And she was basically explaining that when you are a company the size of Apple, there is no line between design and operations. A design that you can't make at scale is useless to Apple. They have an operations-led design and have had for decades. Mm. So panicking because there's someone with with operations under title is heading up design in Apple's world is a really good idea and is not actually a change at all because it's their design team is all about operations. I had never thought of it that way. It was fascinating. The whole the whole conversation was fascinating. But that bit really stuck out to me that like, no, no. She was like, no, no, no. Operations has always been central to our design. We don't design stuff and then figure out how to make it. The two are completely intertwined. Yeah, hand in hand. I mean, if you actually, if you think back to the way Johnny used to talk about things like the first unibody Max. Yeah. And so on. You no, know, that was all about we wanted to you know, to build something that would be rigid and didn't have to have all these complicated parts in it and whatnot. So we went away and we thought about how we could do it. And like, you know, we so, got a solid slab and we laser yeah, cut a laptop out of it and it's bloody cool. Yeah. yeah. And of course, it, it, I mean, and when they first came out with that, people were like, you're mad. They, they can't possibly be doing that. And it's like, yes, we are. And here's the video because of the cool all, laser. And here's the video, yeah. And all the bits that we mill out of it just go back in the melting pot and go back to the start of the production. Yeah, become a new slab to get laser cut. And... <laughs> yeah. But, um, Gotta feel sorry you know, for that one That one little piece of aluminum. That, just that one atom. I just want to be in a laptop. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys, make me a part of a laptop. But the, um, when you yeah. look back on that in hindsight, that that's showing you that the operations and the design are going hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Ive's obsession the... has always been materials. and Oh, yes, that's his, that's his thing. And the, that, that sort of gives you an idea of how, how intertwined those things are because what makes a material good is the fact that you can turn it into a great product, which is why yeah. they fixate on aluminum, aluminium. Jesus. Um, and all these kind of things and glass and stuff. Because no, no, you said it right the first time. 
officially, actually, within the IEEE, you guys got sulfur spelt the sensible way, and we got aluminium said the sensible way. We swapped you. (laughs) Honest to goodness, within the IEEE, sulfur is the American way and aluminium the European way. uh, Aluminium is a a, a UK uh, invention, as I recall. I believe so, coming from the wonderful alumina, or... uh, Anyway. Um... It's something else I haven't heard anyone say, and it just immediately struck me. Was everyone's like, oh my god, Apple are losing, Apple are losing, Apple are losing. But this new company is a collaboration between Johnny Ive and Mark Newson. And those two love working together, work together very well, and haven't been able to work together because Ive is an Apple and Newson isn't. Well, now neither of them are an Apple. And Apple can hire both of them to work together for Apple. So Apple have gained the Mark Newson as um, much as they've lost the Johnny Ive. Didn't uh, didn't Johnny um, kind of co-opt Mark Newson in some kind of manner? A they together of years ago? did something for charity that had something to do with the Apple Watch. Right, I know because I know, but I mean I know they're they're mates. They've worked together yeah. before. They did that. They did that like limited edition Laker camera for charity that sold for some obscene amount of money and gold iPods and yeah um, made a made a diamond ring out of a chunk of diamond so it wasn't actually a diamond ring it was not a, a ring with a diamond red. in it I'm just, I'm just googling frantically here John Avon designed an old diamond ring for the red charity 2018 yeah I mean they have done stuff but it's not but they haven't done an Apple product together they have managed to work together no. on stuff but now those two together can be hired by Apple for a project because Apple can hire Love From or whatever the hell it's called, mm. which is both of them. So you can, there is a glass half full view here, which I haven't really heard people talk about because they're all been busy hyperventilating about how Apple is doomed for this reason. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's kind of two sides to that coin. One is it allows Johnny to go off and do what he likes. Mm-hmm. can take on any project he wants, right? It doesn't matter whether it's earrings or handbags or shoes or whatever, whatever takes his fancy. Um, he can work with Mark. Um, he can take, you know, he can consult with Apple if that's what they want. But he can also say, oh, I'm not interested in that, right? I don't want to do another iMac. Sorry, you get get the team to do that. Also, the other the other side of it is Apple can, you know, consult with uh, Johnny and Mark if they like. But there's also the kind of thing that I, I'm not sure that part of that is not simply to steady jitter, you know, jittery nerves of investors. Oh my God, Johnny is leaving. The end of the world is is coming. <laughs> They're saying, oh yeah, well, Johnny, Johnny's not really leaving. He's just kind of going off into his own little shed. You know, <laughs> you, you mean like when Scott Forstall said on as a special was a special consultant to the yeah. CEO, or he or has sort it off? Yeah. Is what that really meant? Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I, much of a cooperation is going to be between this new company and Apple. It, it, it's impossible to tell, and it, we may not know for years because whatever is being designed on isn't going to actually be released for ages. So. I don't no. know, but what I do know is that there's a really strong team left behind that 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 Johnny and I worked decades long to build I, up. They're perfectly capable of I, doing the job. 
I think um, very much that, you know, that Johnny has, I mean, he spent the last few years doing the Apple campus. Yeah. Um, And I think in part, the reason that he was so focused on, other than the fact, obviously, it was a huge project and something that he was really committed to, is the fact that he could design anything there. Doors, door handles, light switches, taps. He likes to get into the detail, yeah. It's yeah, also but what a legacy. He wanted uh, without having to do more computers. Maybe he's just sick of doing computers. You well, know? the other way to look at it, right? Every designer wants to be remembered. That, let's be honest yeah. here. And there is nothing more ephemeral than tech. And there's very little less ephemeral than architecture. If you, if you want to have yeah, a crowning Apple achievement... Day that campus is going to be standing an awful lot longer than the last iMac. Very much so. And, and he, I mean, you know, he even said, uh, assume, really... Assuming that California doesn't slide into the Pacific. Well, it? there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. um, I mean, he even said, didn't he, it was a 15-year project, yeah. and they recently had their own kind of private official opening of... The, yeah. the Apple campus is now finished. Officially Once last, finished, wasn't done. It? Big rainbow stage, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, maybe for him that was a time to wrap it up. And and I mentioned it on Essential Apple, and um, Gaz mentioned it as well uh, last week, which is I don't think enough people um, take into account just how close. Jonathan Ive and Steve Jobs really were. Yeah. He's... And, you know, Gaz said, and I, I said, you know, after he lost Steve, that's got to be hard. And and Gaz said the same thing, you know, that those two worked hand in hand. And to lose somebody like that and then to have to continue going to the same office day after day where you'd spent, you know, 10, 15 years working with your best friend who's now passed on is actually quite a challenging thing to do. Yeah, basically the magic was, you know, the, the magic was gone. So was it, was it, was it um, John Gruber, you know, compared, you know, the, the Lennon-McCartney? Yeah. and I, the I, same, I, you know. I, I think that was also very true. I think Steve and, and Johnny together were were greater than the sum of the parts yeah um Would you, do you think that you think that that's what tim has been kind of looking for since uh steve jobs passed away is someone to fill that role and if yes uh is evans up to it but i don't okay but i don't think the problem isn't filling a role the problem is having a group of people who can say no to each other and johnny ive is really hard to say no to unless you're steve jobs whereas i think having Alan and Evans means you have that automatic ping pong and Jeff Williams is in the loop. You now have a trifecta sitting at the top there, which means it's much easier not to end up with uh, sort of a Lucas style. No one can say no to him and he's gone bloody nuts scenario. I I think that, yeah, there's also there was a sort of, I think, possibly a slight problem where effectively Johnny Ive became his own boss. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as chief design officer, and who like there's no way Tim Cook, who's his only actual boss, was going to stand up to him on design because Tim Cook, 
I mean, whatever criticism you can make of Tim Cook, Tim Cook knows he's not a product guy and has never tried to be one. And that's why he has not failed as CEO, because he knows what he is and what he isn't, and he's not trying to be what he isn't. No. (laughs) Sorry, excuse me. I think the the better example would be, uh, what's his face from Apple in the days of the Newton, Pepsi guy? Oh, yeah. um, Uh, Scully. Scully, thank you. Okay, folks, I'm going to draw a line under it because we we you know the show's carrying on, and I think I, th- I think we've I think we've covered the, the big stuff. So it, it has been a very consequential month for Apple between all of the stuff they've been working on for ages being released at announced at WWDC, the you know the continuing work towards making their own chips, and then this very dramatic evolution of how Apple's design team are going to be structured going forward from here on out. This month's news will be reverberating for many years to come. Um, yes. So it's kind of interesting. Before we wrap up the show, I just want to quickly run through some other stories that we should be peripherally aware of, even though they don't need any deep discussion. Apple have launched a recall on certain 15-inch MacBook Pros due to battery issues. Um, Apple have begun adding support for over 100,000 radio stations all over planet Earth on their iOS and HomePod devices, which is kind of fun. Uh, Apple have updated iCloud for Windows. A little glass of ice water for all those people in hell. So it's now a... <laughs> I use it all the time, actually. Yeah, it hasn't been great, really, has it? So the fact that they've no. given it a bit of TLC and <laughs> moved it into the Windows App Store is very much a good thing. Um, Adobe have returned to the Mac App Store with Lightroom after seven years' worth of absence. It's quite a big deal. Shopify are bringing Apple Business Chat to their merchants. So that's basically 800,000 companies now have Apple Business Chat. That's quite the, you know, uptake of that service that's been a bit languishy. Apple Pay continues to roll out of pace. JCPenney have reinstated Apple Pay. Um, Apple Pay has come... stay in business. Yeah, well, yeah. Apple Pay have launched in 13 more European countries. Uh, Apple Pay have come to Volksbanken, Reifersbanken in Germany. And they have come to Bulgaria. So continued rollout there. Google have decided they can't compete with the iPad. They have cancelled their in-house iPad Challenger tablets. So that's probably accepting the inevitable. Um, Apple have expanded their repair program within the US by partnering with Best Buy. So now basically every Best Mm. Buy is an Apple authorized service provider. That's a lot of extra Mm. Apple authorized service providers all of a sudden. Yeah. (laughs) Guy doesn't sound very convinced by that. I didn't say they were good Apple certified. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a place you can go where they can take your thing off. You send it to Apple and get your thing back to you. It's, yeah. It is convenient to have a physical place where you can get an exchange done and stuff like that. Even if as you don't long as that's all they do, I'm fine with it. Well, see, they won't void your warranty because they're official. So, to be honest, whatever they do, you can get it. It won't cost you, apart from convenience, obviously. Yeah. And then the last story, I probably should have ordered these differently because now we've got to end on a real low. Uh, various branches of the U.S. government are turning up the heat on tech companies, including Apple. So the Judiciary Committee have launched an investigation into competition in digital markets. Apple are very much in their crosshairs there. And Reuters are reporting an as yet unconfirmed preparations for two related government antitrust investigations of major tech companies with the FTC and the DOJ dividing up the big four between them. FTC will investigate Amazon and Facebook and DOJ, Apple and Google. 
no. I think I'd rather be investigated by the FTC. I, I, I'm not sure it's an easy choice. <laughs> no, it's not. But if I had to choose one or the other, that's that's what I would choose. Okay, <laughs> I'd rather not have to. <laughs> yeah. uh, do we know over what exactly? Uh, no, because this is all unconfirmed. Antitrust is, is a big umbrella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, right, yeah. Okay. yeah, so this is all based on reporting by rather than an announcement from. So we shall see. But uh, basically, don't be surprised when these investigations are announced. You know, Reuters and Bloomberg. So Reuters were first and Bloomberg followed up. So it's probably true. But the, yes, the details are not known yet, so we'll have to wait and see yeah. what comes expect, of that. Expect more information around summertime of next year, which, coincidentally enough, is when election season starts up. I, I, could, I thought it started on uh, November 3rd after the last election. No, that, no that's, that's when the actual vote is. But Sorry, November 4th then. I, I thought basically the cycle was so tight now that we started campaigning the day we finished electing. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Especially if you're in the House as compared to the Senate. With your two-year term, yeah. Jesus. Right. You've got like one year to do stuff and then the next year you're campaigning to keep your job. I think that's down to six months, Guy. Because yeah, we're well, a year and, and a half. I am not at all cynical. I'm not. No, not at all. Can, None you, of us are cynical. You can tell. Yeah, we would never do that. Anyway, guys, thank you ever so much for giving so freely of your time on this Sunday evening. Uh, I really appreciate you sacrificing a chunk of your valuable weekend to come and yak with me about Apple News. Much appreciated. Um, let us go in reverse order. Simon, would you like to tell the good listeners where they can listen to more of your work? Uh, well, usually you can find me over at uh, the Essential Apple Podcast uh, on the uh, My Mac Podcasting Network, of course. Um, this week we didn't do a show. No, this week we didn't do a show because uh, Nick and I looked at the news and it was so sparse that there was nothing worth discussing. So <laughs> no show this week. But uh, normally we uh, put out a show every week uh, over at EssentialApple.com. Excellent. Yeah, it's very incestuous, actually, because um, since we're on the MyMac network, it's kind of appropriate that Guy shared us from something called the MyMac podcast. Why don't you tell us more, yeah. Guy? I have heard of that podcast. Gaz and I have been doing the MyMac podcast for over 10 years. As a matter of fact, we are 25 or so episodes away from our 500th Ooh. podcast that we've been doing together. You know, the obviously the MyMac podcast existed long before Gaz and I took it over. Uh, I also do uh, a weird little show called Guy's Daily Drive that isn't done every day, but I am driving in my car when I record it. Uh, you can find that over there at iTunes. You can also catch me live on Wednesday nights over at the Books of Face, either through my own personal page or over on the Mac to the Future group page, which, and coincidentally enough, the show is the Mac to the Future Go live cast. That's Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you want to look for me over there on the Twitters, I am Mac Parrot and also vert shark uh all of the stuff that i'm doing outside of the my mac podcast you can find at vertshark.com excellent thank you very much um but just before we wrap up just to say that there will be detailed show notes and i do mean detailed guys you can vouch for that lots of show notes yeah, as well. yeah. 
Very, very extensive show notes. They will be at lets-talk.ie for you all to enjoy. And while you're there enjoying said wonderful show notes, you will find a section in the sidebar called Support the Show. These are practical means of supporting the show financially, and I appreciate everyone who does so, but you don't have to do that. The other way you can support the show is tell people. Spread the word. Like, seriously, it helps so much if you just tweet about the show, Facebook about the show, Instagram about the show, whatever. Human, actual human contact is also very valuable. Basically, That's crazy talk. I know. Spread the word. (laughs) That is very much appreciated. Review the show is even more powerful if you go to your podcatcher of choice and do whatever that podcatcher does, whether it's starring or hearting or reviewing, you know, do that thing. That is also very much appreciated. And then there's the fact that this show has no advertisers. You will notice there is no sponsorships, no advertisement, nothing like that. This show is entirely listener-supported. So what that means is that you guys listening make it possible for this show to exist, and you do that with very practical support. Um, I have bills that come in every month, and you guys provide me with the means to pay said bills so that the show is pretty much break-even at this stage, which is... Sort of how I like it. Um, Not exactly break even, but darn close. So we're we're getting there. And I really, really appreciate everyone's help with that. So you can support the show in an ongoing way through Patreon. You you basically pledge a small dollar amount for every episode I release. It will be exactly two episodes a month, one Apple, one photography. So if you'd like to help me out with $2 a month, pledge one and, you know, one for each becomes two. You want to help me with $10 for some reason, pledge five, you get the idea. Just, you know, multiply by two. Um... And the great thing with the Patreon money is it's reliable, so I know what my bills will be, and I know what the Patreon will be, and I like to be able to pour one into the other. It's it's very good that way. There are also, of course, costs that are not recurring, you know, new software, new hardware, those kind of things, and they are funded through my PayPal button. And PayPal is a really efficient way to give one-off donations that are not small dollar amounts, because if you give me $1 through PayPal, PayPal literally takes 70-something cent of that dollar and give me 30-something cent. But if you send me $10, Facebook take like, you know, a dollar and give me $9, and that's way more valuable. So if you'd like to just give like a, you know, a one-off, here's a bit of help to get a new piece of software, to get a new mic or whatever then the PayPal button is just absolutely spot on perfect for that. And lots of people have pushed that button and I really appreciate it. I have a really nice boom arm for my mic now that I, makes me smile every time I go to record a podcast. And that's entirely because you guys push that button from time to time. And then there's other ways you can help. I, there are affiliate links to basically those fellow nerds of mine who need things like domains registered and virtual machines running web servers and stuff. If you need domains, hover.com, affiliate link there. You click the link, you get your domain. I get a little kickback from Hover for sending you their way. And the DigitalOcean one for virtual machines and stuff is even cooler because uh, not only did DigitalOcean give me some stuff when you run up a bill of at least $50, they give you free stuff too because I, you know, we both get free stuff that way once you spend 50 bucks, which is really darn cool. Um, so there, anyway, that's how you can support the show. Let's-talk.ie. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. So you can find me personally at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
Hello everybody, this is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network 